This is the Tribune Audio Network. All right. Hi. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Janelle wasn't looking when I got the thumbs up sign that I we're... I wasn't paying attention. That we're recording. I was Googling something important. Oh, was it about this podcast or was it something else? Um, Something else. Oh, okay, cool. If anyone knows where to get white high top sneakers for a, Jenny's in a child, I'm in need. By the time this comes out, though, I won't be in need anymore. No. no. <laughs> Just go buy a repair of kids. I know. That's or the Converse is, or is what's whatever, cool now. Whatever the kids like these days. Whatever kids are wearing these days. Oh my God, I sound so old. Ugh. On a side note, I keep finding weird bruises on my body. Oh. And my friend and me were talking, like, as we get older, we just, like, find bruises and you're like I don't know where that came from I get them on my thighs a lot from yes. the dog walking across me at night oh I'm like they're big too oh. we're fair skinned so everything shows up well my friend is not fair skinned mm-hmm. she is um part Filipino and she gets and she gets bruises that bad huh? yeah and she doesn't have a dog so What's unless her, her excuse unless her plants are walking across her at night <laughs> I don't know hmm. I don't know but we can't figure out where they come from or why they show up but they're usually large in charge I will say I think some of them are from when my toddler just decides to that's a fair sock me with a punch mm-hmm. for no good reason mm-hmm. or the wrestling the impromptu Boys. wrestling you've got a boy I do have a boy You're I'm always like this for the next 18 years I'm always like mommy doesn't well, hopefully he's not to. doing that when he's like in high school no but weird. I'm always like mommy doesn't want to wrestle and he's like ah and then he just tackles me go wrestle with yourself yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um I feel, I feel like the dog maybe the dog no that's my husband for ruby oh well i have other dogs bigger dogs sedona would be into that great he could wrestle with donna which we oh i meant to mention to you guys um exciting news this just in this just in oh we both had so music for the this and this is where you turn us off don't don't come back back to me um so we now they're definitely like i'm out um we have a patreon that is set up now that i didn't even know what it was at first that's right i'm gonna admit that that's right Uh uh-huh get it girl um we have a patreon uh it's the sip survive repeat patreon Mm -hmm. so if you want to find it you can go to patreon you should.com slash sip survive repeat and one of our favorite prizes that you can get, or I guess rewards, we'll call them rewards. They aren't really prizes, but one of the rewards you can get for one of the levels is that we will send you a custom greeting video from either Callie, our, well, podcast math. She's actually making noises right now. <laughs> Danelle's podcast mascot or Jenny's horse, Donna, the other podcast mascot, or we'll make Kenny do it too. I don't know. Wait, what do you want? <laughs> Kenny, you're not even paying attention. Not even listening. I love it. I'm just watching the levels, kind of. That's about it. Uh Okay. I bet you are. He's just zoning out, Mm. listening to the levels of our voices. He's like, when will this be over? Um, Okay. (laughs) So we are uh, looking for people to be our patrons. And if you like this podcast, um, we do everything ourselves, even though Tribune Audio Network is technically the mothership here. Uh, We are a local indie podcast, so we don't have crew. We do on our own. Yeah. Yeah mostly Kenny does it so you're mostly I mean, supporting Kenny I do the least amount of work here well sometimes you you provide the wine and that costs money and the, I and provide snacks. a shelter yes your shelter mm-hmm. your snacks from Costco and a story 
Yes. That takes a lot of time. Research. Mm-hmm. Um, so anywho, uh, we just need a little bit of support from our listeners. And again, you can find us on Patreon now, which we're really excited. It makes us feel like official. I'm super stoked. Yay. I, I'm really excited. So cool. Please do it. It'll do it. Fun. Do it. Um, let's see. And then didn't Kenny say something funny when we got here? Oh, he, <laughs> he was sad Kim wasn't going to cook him dinner. Kim, tell us about that. Kim, Kenny. give him a lean cuisine. Well, I've, I said whenever we go to each other's houses, we like make each other dinner. But she's eating dinner with her parents tonight, so I have to like go somewhere and get and my own dinner. You weren't invited. I said I'd be a little late because of the podcast. Oh, they're going okay. at like four thirty. Wait, where are you going instead? Probably Tremont Tap House or something. Shout out oh, yeah. the best food in town. Oh, is so it good. really? It's so good. I've never eaten there. I've only drank and their there. Sunday brunch is to die for. Cinnamon oh. rolls or something. Oh, it's so good. And you guys, this is when burrito. you're old and married and you don't go anywhere. I'm this old and happens. married and you need to go to the Tremont Tap House. Did you, you push your kid? Did you push a kid out? You can take your kid. I can? Yeah. Are you su- sure? On Sunday brunch? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. It's kid friendly. Don't you think, Kenny? I'd say so. There's a patio. I mean, people Declan is pretty dogs. cool. So if there's music, he'll dance. They do movie nights sometimes out oh. on the patio. I think it's every Monday during the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like date night. I can feel the date night coming on. Yeah. Okay. It's it's great. All right. Tremont Tap House. You should get their Trezo tacos. Have you had those yet? I haven't had those. Mm. I was like getting the burger sauce. of the month. Oh, okay. Oh. She's really throwing a fit in there. I mean, I'm, here's the thing. Every time we talk about Callie and how much noise she's making, when I'm listening back to the episodes, I never hear her. She, You guys, she's like going like this. <laughs> <laughs> like throwing a fit and it's she's not a lady at all because when kenny first got here she ripped the biggest fart and <laughs> kenny did not kenny made her still feel like she's a lady so yeah thanks for not embarrassing her kenny oh my best it was, it really was gross i have to tell i went i rode don on my horse this morning and um every time i go to pick her hooves because you like when you're done you like pick her hooves and get all the junk out mm-hmm. of there um, every time I go to her back hooves, she farts on my head. Oh, Donna. <laughs> I'm like, like Thanks, why? Mom. Why are you farting? At least she doesn't shit on my head. That would be like far Because that worse. could happen. It could. I don't I don't think it would if they have one leg. Because I'm holding her leg up off the ground. Are you ever afraid she's going to kick you when you're holding her leg? Or is no, that not? You, I mean, she's not a kicker. Okay. Uh, there are horses that are. I have dealt with those too. Um, I have been bit by a horse. I have not been kicked by a horse. I've been mm. stepped on. I I fell off of Donna a couple weeks ago just because she tripped and I went down hard. But, you know, mostly my ego was bruised yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Um, this morning she was a real doll. I need to post some pictures of her. Will you please? Because She's then we'll beautiful. have Callie and Donna. And also I'm going to post some pictures of Timmy. He's like the miniature <gasps> horse. with. He has like a mohawk. It's literally the cutest thing you've ever seen. Could we ever do our podcast at your stable? <gasps> yes, they maybe have. They have a room. Do, like a, one of our episodes there. <gasps> yes, maybe I can have I one of the ladies Donna. come. And what's his name? Timmy. 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 I love that. Hey, Timmy. Timmy and Donna. Mm, he's the cutest. Mm. I love it. Okay. Um, enough chitter chatter. Yeah. Let's get down to business. Let's do it. I'm excited about my story this I week. I can tell you are. I'm very excited. Oh wait. Sorry, we have to chitter chatter one more moment because this is a special wine today. Oh, yes. I forgot. Okay. I forgot. Um, so I went to Seattle last weekend and or two weekends ago, and um, I got a couple wines while I was there with the hopes of drinking them on air and talking about them. So the first one that I brought over is Kevin White. And while you're doing this, I'm going to fill my glass. Woo! I just bumped my thingy. Um, Kevin White Winery, and it's called La Fraternité. 
with an accented goo over the E at the end. Your what hurts? <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, it's a 2017 red wine, and it's from Washington, the Yakima Valley. And oh, I love that valley. It's don't so you? It's the best. I'm kidding. I've never been there. I know. So Kevin White actually works for, I believe, Microsoft oh. full-time, and this is his, like, side gig. I love... Oh, he has, uh, his tasting room is in a, it's delicious. It's this really good. Great. This was my favorite one on the it's whole so tour. Good. It's very smooth. Um, so his tasting room is in basically a, a storage unit. Oh, this is, this one is the, the one, this is a storage unit wine. This blew my mind. Right? So the storage, it has a really high ceiling, so it doesn't feel, it's not like you go into a cube smart with your shit and put it in there. It's kind of like that, but it has like those big high ceilings. You can see all the duct work. And then um, he has all of his barrels are there. And so when the when the grapes come, everything gets made in this, like, storage space. I don't know. It's hilarious. Do you have pictures? I don't know if I took any pictures of the storage space. I should have. Should I didn't think, if you have I think one. I was a little drunk, and I was just like, ooh, wine. This is great. Mm. Um, I'll have to ask my friend if she took any. But anyway, um, it so was delicious. This was my favorite one, Kevin White. And I'm like... He only, the taste, this was the smallest tasting. He only had three wines to taste, but every single one was amazing. Mm, so I feel like if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it like Kevin White. It's delicious. <gasps> Kevin, that's your, Kevin new, that's your new theme. If you're going to do it right, do it like Kevin White. If you're going to, yeah. I was going to say something else, but it didn't sound right. I'm not going to say that. Kevin okay. would have had to edit it out. Um, so Kevin White Winery, I don't know if it's sold elsewhere, but it's from Seattle. So if you're interested um, and you're in good to me in Seattle, we were in Woodenville, which is where mm. a lot of the tasting rooms are. Great. Okay. So Danelle, you're first. Let's talk survival. Okay. This one I was running. I like, I said to Kenny, I'm like, I need ideas. Like I'm running out of not things to research, but like I wanted some, a different perspective. Something fresh. So he said, how about a war story? And I was like, I mean, I'm not really into like war stuff, but I was like, okay, let me research. So the first thing that came up is a Holocaust survivor story. And do you have a similar one? Mm. Of course you do, because we're like sisters from a different mista. That's right. Um, and it's it's really depressing, but it's okay. a great story okay. in the sense that I mean, it's as great as a Holocaust story could be because it's sad. But um, I watched a documentary on it as well as reading an article. Oh, my God. I did not watch a documentary, so I feel really unprepared this week. Ooh. Ooh. I'm still unprepared. I mean, I watched a documentary and read and copied an article, but I'm still, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's so cool. this is the um, – it's about a Holocaust survivor that was spared from a gas chamber by a twist of fate. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's not the – that's not the meat and potatoes of the story, but there is a little, like, he's very lucky in the sense that he escaped. I'll, I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So his name is, this is a survival story of Jack um, Mandelbaum. Mandelbaum? Sure. sure. I Can you tell I, like, broke it out so I would try to say, I, I don't want to mess up his name. I know. I'm because I'm going to mess up all him names and mine, like, so it's fine. I'm just going to call him Jack throughout. So, um... We're going to start in August of 1939, and the Nazis were about to invade Poland, mm -hmm. and Jack was 13 at the time, and living in a little Polish port town um, called Gdynia, 
not to i don't know sure whatever great it's a little whatever it's people a in poland town. please let us know <laughs> please let us know how bad i screwed that up it's on the baltic sea oh okay this has nothing to do with that but speaking of people in poland we have people listening in Alaska. <gasps> Shout out Alaska. I know, right? In fifth grade, I selected you as my state to do my research project on. Excellent. I know lots of fun facts about Alaska that I don't remember anymore, but. Nice. Yeah. Anywho, back to Poland. Okay, back to the Baltic Sea. Um, so Jack and his siblings were enjoying their summer vacation um, and about to return to school. And they received word that summer break would be extended. And they were kids, so they're like, yes, we get to, like, Amazing. this is great. Like, this is the best thing ever. But the reason why it was being extended is because war was upon them, and they, things were about to get real shitty and real. Yeah. Um, so when war came to the small port town, Jack said his father worried that the port would be attacked because it was a very main artery for Poland. Yeah. And so he sent his wife and three children, um, Jack, his older sister, and his younger brother, to visit his or to stay with his relatives on the countryside so it's a really small little tiny town where he thought the nazis would just not they're not going to waste a bomb basically is what his father said on a small town and he was worried that the nazis would either invade the the little small port town or that they would bomb it Mm -hmm. so he um sent his family away and jack's or jack's father promised to join them in six weeks and in the documentary, Jack talks about, I, th- I believe he's 87, I think he's like 92 now, but in the documentary, he was like 87. Um, he talks about how his last memory of his father is him, you know, they were all crammed into the small train because everybody was fleeing mm-hmm. and his dad was, you know, standing underneath his clock and like waving goodbye. And he, almost, you know, he's giving a speech to like a middle school and um, he's starting to choke up and stuff. This is the last memory of his father. It's very sad. Oh, this is a very God. sad story. Um, but it's an important one to tell because we don't ever want to be in this situation again. Right. Um, so let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, about a year later, he, Jack's father sent a postcard from, um, one, a concentration camp that he was in. So his, his father did get captured and was sent to a ca- concentration camp and, um, but was able to, to somehow send a postcard to the family saying, um, I'm all right, everything's fine. And I'm sure Jack now says that he was probably saying this just to like set his family at ease. Right. Um, so over the next three years, Jack and his family lived in the ghettos that were formed by the Nazis in the small, even though it was a small countryside town, there were still, you know, the Nazis had been there and they had mm. kind of compiled everybody, all the Jewish people. And they lived in the ghettos, and they were basically just slave labor. Like, they had no food. They had no money. They just were – Jack did whatever he could to support his family. But they were still living as Jewish people yes. in these ghettos. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So Jack's sister is – so it's Jack, his older sister, and younger brother. Jack's sister goes with another relative to live. Okay. And so it's just him and his brother and his mom stay in – Can I just say how – upsetting it is to me that during the holocaust that so many families were ripped apart yeah and sometimes it was because they for necessity Mm -hmm. to like stay alive yeah i mean it's i just can't imagine that his his dad sacrificed basically himself so his family could live he also says in the documentary that um well not it's not really a documentary but in his speech that a lot of the people in the concentration camps that didn't survive 
were um, people with families, with like adults with kids, hmm. and they had seen their kids get shot or whatever, and they had nothing else to live for anymore. Right. So they just gave up in the concentration camps. Like a lot of people that did, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of people died, but the ones who went first were typically like the older, you know, the dads and the moms who saw their families ripped from them. Wow. And they had nothing else to live for. <sighs> yeah, deep shit. So, um, so yeah, Jack was kind of in charge of making money for his family. So he did side labor. Um, he helped this old man um, with electrical work. He was an electrician, so oh, nice. he kind of learned a small trade during these three years. That's good. Um, so before dawn on June 14th, 1942, the SS came for what was left of Jack's family. So um, he describes it as they they banged on the door, everyone's doors in the town, um, and they gave them five minutes to come out. And um, there was a lot of shooting and crying. Um, and people that they didn't really know what was going on and they were confused a lot. Most of them were still in their pajamas because they had just woken up or they were still sleeping. Um, and then a lot of people were shot because they didn't, they refused to come out of their homes. So if you refuse to come out of your home in five, in five minutes, they would go in and then shoot you. Um, they were told to line up in the market square and then they were marched to a local brewery and um, this is where the SS officers began separating people. And in this small little town, there were around 900 people. So it's yeah. all, I mean, it's a good... That's a good chunk of people. A good chunk of people. And they separated them to the left and to the right. And um, Jack says that he was trying to cling to his mother and brother, um, but they were sent to the left and he was sent to the right. And the only... Oh, God. I was going to say, what, what was the reasoning for doing that? So I guess while they were separating, they were looking at their papers and they noticed that Jack had an electrical trade. Oh. So they saw that he could do electrical work. So he was of some use to them. So his, at first, at first they sent him to the left with his whole family. And then yeah. w- once they looked at his papers, they're like, no, you over here. <gasps> and that's how he escaped. And how the, old is he? He's 13. No. Actually, 30, he'd be 15 at this time because this is three still, years. Yeah. When I was 15, I was a dumbass. I, I didn't know. I, I never wanted, I mean, it's a different time, but yeah, yeah continue. Okay. Um, he said the SS officer grabbed him and pushed him to the other side and, um, he said the people that were to the left, with which were his mom and brother, were sent to Auschwitz, and they were gassed. Like immediately? Yes. He never saw them again. But after, he didn't know that at the time, but yeah. now he knows what happened to the group of people is that they were immediately set, sent to the gas chambers and gassed. Did I tell you that I've been to Auschwitz? No. Yeah. Oh, I went. Girl. It was disturbing, to Oof. say the least. Like, I don't know... You can just feel, mm-hmm. oh, I bet, the, like, evilness that was there. And it's just, like, super emotional. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually glad at the time I went, they were redoing um, the experiment uh, section mm-hmm. where they were doing, like, medical experiments yeah. on some people. Yeah. Um, they was being renovated, so I couldn't go in there, which, in all honesty, for my, like, sake, probably yeah. better, because I think it would have disturbed me for life. Yeah. Is- that where they did the twin experiments? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember if that was somewhere else or Auschwitz. No, I'm pretty sure it was Auschwitz. Because I knew there was that one doctor who was like obsessed with twins. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that was Auschwitz. Again. There the... were a couple really, I mean, they were all awful, but Auschwitz yeah. was like one of the main. Yeah. Well, that's why we ended up going there because we were, you know, we were in Germany and we thought, well, we should go you see should this. You should go or pay your respects. But to... it's like you pull up and the sign is still there and mm. it's just like goosebumps Eerie and, and you're just... just... 
I don't know. And I've heard, it's actually interesting now. So I went, I'm old. So I went in college when I was traveling abroad, but, um, I heard now it's, it's really difficult because a lot of people don't have the respect and they're taking like selfies and stuff. That's disgusting. I've seen stuff about that online. Like people are like, Oh, like went to Auschwitz today and like they're posing and it yeah. feels really like doing yoga poses. It, it feels on what used to very be very weird. And yeah. It's really yeah. wrong. Well, and he says in his speech that he's giving that that's why he does what he does. Like he'll talk to anyone about it because he's, he's scared for like our society now. Like he sees you know, what's happening in society and how, you know, racist people are and how like, we're just so, and I'm not saying that those people are racist, but I'm just saying like how oblivious and insensitive we are as a society. And he's like, that's how, which I'll tell a story later on about what his neighbor said to him at one point. And he realized like how people don't, they don't get it. Like Mm -mm. we don't understand like how bad it was. So that's why he's dedicated his life to talking about what happened to him. So, um, so he was he was sent to um, he became prisoner one six zero one three for the next um, I believe three years yeah three years um, he passed through seven concentration camps during this time um, but the first was um, I'm not gonna say this right but it's called it looks like it says Gross Rosen but I'm sure it's like Gross Rosen or some German type yes. name but it's We'll call it Gross Rosin. Did you know, um, I'm listening to, and that's why we drink, and the the, uh, one girl on there. I just downloaded that. Oh, good. Um, Christine, she has, I think, German parents, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so she, when she says German words, it's like a little magical. Yeah. I'm like, girl, get it. It's hard. My dad was 100% German, so we think. And he was (laughs) raised by his his great grandparent or his grandparents would be my great grandparents and they only spoke German. Oh, okay. So he, when he went to live with them, he failed first grade because he couldn't speak. Like he didn't, he wasn't around it. Right. But my grandfather fought World War II, like with the, for the Americans. So I feel like, um, when I read this stuff, I, I just, the stuff that they saw and it was such an important war that it makes me just, yeah. A little cringe worthy. So he was sent to Gross Rosin, um, where prisoners worked in the granite quarry. Okay. Okay. So more than 90% of the prisoners died within the first few months due to disease, cold, and lack of food. Um, was this he, in Germany? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But um, I, I believe it was. Okay. I just said yes, like I knew 100%. You said it with conviction, uh, it and is. I liked it. I did look up where his port town was, though, but I did uh. not get, I did not look up. It's cool. The, yeah. Um, but he said that it, even though 90% of the pris- prisoners died in the pr- first few months, he said new shipments of prisoners just kept coming in. So they just kept replenishing and replenishing. And Gross. Um, he said they were forced to wear wooden clogs and oh. their ankles would always twist as they had to march deep in the snow. In wooden clogs? In wooden clogs. I bet they didn't have socks either. Nope. I bet you they didn't. And he said oh. that... Um, and when he said, like a lot of people, he says, they think like you live in, and sleep in the barracks mm-hmm. or barricades, right? Barracks. Barracks. Thank you. And you walk out your door and that's where you work. But he said it wasn't like that. Like you wake up, they have roll call and then you have to march like he said in kilometers. So I'm just going to say a couple miles sure. to the fields where they worked in clogs in the snow and 
Callie. Sorry, it's Callie. Callie making noises. We are not laughing at the marching in No, clogs. not at all. She's just being really whiny. Real intense in Poor there. Poor babe. Um, so he also talked about how so they would march to the fields, do their work all day, and then have to march back to their sleeping quarters. And on the way back, anyone that died in the field that day, they'd have to carry on their backs oh. back to the sleeping quarters for them to be taken care of. Yeah. So That's disgusting. He said there were so many prisoners. Um, they were in a big uh, sleeping quarters, and it had a concrete floor, no beds. What? And they were lined up like herring on a floor. Ew. Yeah. They had to sleep on concrete floors? Yeah. He said, so when one person turned, everybody else had to turn. It was so tight. Like, it's oh, when they were God. sleeping. Um, food was scarce, and the daily meal amounted to a single piece of bread and what he describes as soup made out of grass. Yeah. Mm. He also made a comment saying that they were doing about 3,000 calories worth of work each day, and they were given probably under 800 calories. I was going to gonna say, that's... So they weren't, you know... They were not equal. Yeah. He um, he recalls emaciated... Um, emaciated? Pris- emaciated, thank you. Um, prisoners uh, stuffed paper into their mouths <gasps> to fatten their cheeks so they look healthier to the guards and so they because the guards would re- remove the weak looking prisoners and then kill them mm. so they would try to stuff their mouths with paper so they looked like they were healthy so they would could stay alive um his own weight eventually dropped 80 pounds oh my god and at this particular camp which was the first one he was at he said there were more than 125 inmates and an estimated 40,000 were killed um mm-hmm. okay say that one more time 125,000 inmates uh-huh. and an estimated 40,000 were killed in just this one camp and this wasn't a bit like I, um yeah okay that's mm-hmm. that's a lot and yeah. I'm assuming based on the work I would assume it was mostly at this point men yeah at this camp I think so um okay um, they had like a, a female, a, a women's concentration camp, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but he said he refused to give up hope. He poured what little energy he had into his work and hopefully it would lead to his release. Um, he said in an interview also that he had a good life before the war. He went to public school. He got, he had good clothes, he had good food and he had a nice apartment and his dream was to go back to his life and be reunited with his family and his sister and his brother um, and that's what kept him going. Oh, so no. um, at this point, did he know that his father had no. perished? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, it also helped that he said that nobody there knew that the Nazis were trying to slaughter all the Jewish people. Oh, they didn't know. They didn't know. Like they were very like communication. He said was pretty much completely lost once right. the Germans started. You know, like. They well, yeah, knew, they're but they didn't know. Yeah. If they're separating them. Yeah, there was, like, no, not a lot of communication. I guess I kind so. of assumed maybe people in the camps knew because maybe of the Nazis, like, saying things mm-hmm. about Jewish people or something like that. He said they didn't know. Holy shit. And he, he also said that um, him and the other prisoners, they only learned of this after the liberation. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which, so think how confused they were. Like, why oh, yeah. are we here? What do we do? I, I you know, they, oh, so, um... Their sudden freedom was complete shock. He said they didn't know anything um, was going on or that they were even liberated until the morning when he woke up and the Nazi flag wasn't flying and the guards weren't there. 
Oh, they just woke up and everybody, and everybody was, free? was gone. All the guards were gone and the flag was gone. They were still like in their they were so they're all sleeping in their quarters and they weren't called for like a roll call. And so they started like looking out of their sleeping quarters and stuff and then realized that Maybe. Sorry, I'm making a giant. This is really hard to pour out. I of. tried to use a what's it called, Jenny? A decanter. A decanter, because I've never used it before, and it's just not. I'm like, we'll really, stick with the glass. The I'm bottle. really awkward. I'm sorry. It looks super fancy. It's though. very. It fancy. looks nice. It looks. But it nice makes next me look the ridiculous. Try to pour things out of it. <laughs> She's like a bull in china shop. Like clink, 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 clink. Sorry. Um, I need more so, drinks if we're talking about this heavy of material. I know it's though. very. It's, it's a lot. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, so he was like, okay, shit, we're free. Um, so they just woke up one day and it was like, nobody's yeah. here. He said, unlike uh, at Auschwitz, Allied soldiers did not free them. <gasps> His camp was in no man's land. Like they were in between. And it was, he said it was really scary because he knew, like after they started like putting two and two together, like looking back also, he realizes that the Nazis were fleeing because they had lost the war. Right. And then the Russians were coming. Mm-hmm. to kind of like clear everybody out. I mean, so they were in the in the middle. So all these people were fleeing, and he was like, we didn't want to be caught by the Nazis who were ahead of us or the Russians who were behind us. Oh, He's like, so we were just doing everything we could not to get yeah. captured again. Because the Russians, they weren't killing the Jewish people, but they didn't know who was a German soldier and who wasn't. Right. So there was still a fear that, like, the Russians could come in and kill them as well. Right. Because um, the Russians, um, they were... They were part of the liberation, right? They were part of the liberation. But again, they don't know who was the bad guy and who's not. Of course. I mean, I feel like by looking at them, you should be able to tell, but it's war. So I mean, look for the people who look really sickly because right. they've been in a concentration camp. But if you're Nazis and you've been fleeing for a while, maybe they look the same way. I don't I know. Or well, I'm sure they disguise themselves. And I'm assuming themselves. Russians didn't know all this was happening because I think I've heard stories like Americans are like, I had no idea these camps were here. I'm Ameri- assuming the Russians are like... And he talks about yeah. that, how oh. he... I'll get into that, how people people didn't know until after... After the war? After and the, kind of, I mean, the people like fighting the war, maybe if they had been to the concentration camps knew, but other people didn't really know what was going on Jeez. and the extent of it. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, okay. Like we know about it because we've well, learned yeah. about it in school. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But everyone. like a year the year that everything stopped, nobody really, the dust hadn't settled yet. So nobody really knew. Um, he said him and a friend from the camp grabbed an abandoned horse drawn wagon and left as quickly as they could. Did they have horses for that? Um, in this article, it didn't say, but then when I watched the speech, he said they did. Okay. And he said there was also like a jar of marmalade and they just like ate the shit out of that. Hadn't like been in forever. Um, he said they also came across a women's con- women's only concentration camp. Okay. And they were all still locked up. And oh. so him and his friend actually liberated them <gasps> and cut all the locks and stuff. Yeah, and they did. And said, we're free. Get out of here. So yeah, they did. So it sounds like they had separate concentration camps. Okay. Not all of them, but yeah, but this and women. Um, so, and I didn't know this. After the war, Germany was separated into four zones. So each liberator controlled certain zones so like america had a zone um russia had a zone brit the british had a zone and the french had a zone is that why there was east and west sure. germany like probably, when there was yes. communism yes because probably. probably that was the russian part mm-hmm. i'm gonna say yeah because that's that i mean that sense. sounds right that makes sense okay um he didn't want to be in the russian zone because smart you know no offense russia we love you're fine now I mean, right 
sure. kind of. Um, so he smuggled himself <laughs> into the American zone. Oh, nice. Okay. So when he now he's 17, the Holocaust has ended, and he said he returned to Poland several times, which was in the Russian zone. No. So um, he was just desperately looking for his family. So of he, course. for each trip, it was very dangerous because it wasn't controlled by the Americans. It was controlled by the Russians. And again, the Russians still were out looking for, everybody was out still looking for German soldiers, like Jeez. to bring them to justice. So, oh, Lord. Okay. And he is of German descent, so he was, you know, nervous about this. Um, he said every time he was smuggled into the Russian zone to look for his family, he he was fine. He hid in tanks and he hid in like train cars and all this stuff. But one time he was caught. Oh God! By the Russian army, and they thought he was a German. Oh no! They made him dig a grave for himself. Intended for himself. No. And but before they killed him, they realized that he wasn't a German soldier and let him go. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So he later found out that his father survived five years in the camp. No, it's not good. He survived five years in the camps and he died four months before the liberation took place. Oh my God. He did find that he had an uncle living near Munich. Holy shit. So, but that's, that was it. That was it? And and an aunt. He had an aunt that he found and his uncle. And that was it out of, he said out of 80, like a long line of relatives of 80, there were only three that survived. Him and these two people? Yep. Holy crap. No, he had a big family. Um, so the following year, he um, went to the United States. Whoop, whoop. He was given $5 and a train t- ticket to Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City. Um, he settled in Kansas City, where he married and had four children and became a sex, not a sex, a oh. successful uh-huh. importer of ladies' handbags. Oh. Mm, fancy. From pa- like handbag, like fancy handbags? They didn't go into detail, okay. but I'm assuming maybe like. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton or something like that. <laughs> Some kind of fancy ass. Um, I like it. It would be 16 years before he began speaking publicly about the Holocaust. I'm sure. And um, it's it's something he said that he decided to do after talking to one of his neighbors. Um, his neighbor asked him in passing what kind of sports he played in the concentration camps. And what? he was like, what the fuck? All of a sudden, he said everything, just like everything opened up for him. And he realized that people didn't understand, really didn't know what was going on. Oh, and they were genuinely ignorant and not in a, like, not he a wasn't saying way. this in a bad way about his neighbor or just us in general, but um, they just didn't know. It was a very, like, the, the, the Nazis did a very good job at keeping the world hidden from the world. I mean, there's still people today that say it didn't happen because they're fucking bananas. <sighs> So um, that's when he said he knew that he had to speak um, to different people and in different venues about his experiences because he didn't, the desire to educate people like was his passion. Wow. Um, I love that. And then he says, uh, quote, you know, where we were in the camps, we would always ask, how can the world stand by and let this happen? So it's in a ma- it's a matter of being vigilant, a matter of trying to do as much as you can in order to enlighten people about how dangerous it is when you just become a bystander. Yeah. So, um, and this is according to him, more than 6 million uh, Jewish people were murdered. Yep. Um, 5 million others died in the camps for resisting. Oh. 3 million Russian prisoners starved to death. And I couldn't, and he says a total of 15 million people died as a result. Which sounds right, but 
I couldn't tell if he was saying 50 million or 15 million. I think, and 15, I think it's 15 because I listened to I it like know. 10 times and I'm like, and the math adds up to 15, but yeah. I just don't want to well, say the wrong thing. I know thing. the 6 million is right. Okay. Of the uh, Jewish people who were um, massacred, basically. I yeah. mean, it's just out of control. It's, like I just, well, he now lives in Naples, Florida oh, and is living it. his best life. And is he still married? Um, I don't oh, he was. know. And I honestly, this, the story that I took this from was 2015 okay. and I, and I think he's still alive and kicking, but I'm okay. not, I should probably look that up to oh, see if Jack. he is, but so that's the story of Jack. Um, we can't say his last Mandelbaum. name. Mandelbaum. <laughs> Mandelbaum. Mandelbaum. There you go. That Mandelbaum. sounds great. That, that sounds great. Instead yes. of Mandelbaum. No, Mandelbaum. Mandelbaum. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. So I really uh, enjoyed this one because it was, I didn't enjoy it, but it was a very, it was a tough one to do. But it's touching. and it's, It was very depressing. And I actually cried a little bit when I watched his speech, ugh, but because he, he got shook up a little bit too. And he said well, he yeah. still has nightmares to this day and it's just awful. And hopefully our society no, never sees anything like that again. Let's hope not. I mean, I feel like we have, we have the 2020 vision right now to like look back and say, don't Let's do that. Hope. But I don't know. Sometimes history has a, a way of repeating itself. Yeah. And I just... And sometimes I wonder. Yeah. I don't know. So... People are just insane. Yeah. Okay. Ahoy! Are you looking for something naughty to spice up your wardrobe? That's N-A-U-T-I as in nautical. Check out the fantastic apparel at the Savvy Anchor. They have everything you need for that pirate or mermaid in your life. Everything but the water, of course. The Savvy Anchor specializes in nautical apparel for men and women. Their super soft garments will soon become your favorite thing to wear. Be prepared for compliments. Load up on booty today. <laughs> Sorry, that made me giggle. Savvy Anchor is offering 30% discount uh, to sip, survive, repeat listeners. You heard that right. 30%. Visit SavvyAnchor.com to get your sip, survive discount by using offer code sip, survive. Save 30% off regular priced items. Discount does not apply. Don't even try it to sale or clearance items. Shipping is always free for orders over $50. Again, save 30% with code sip, survive at Savvy Anchor, S-A-V-V-Y, Anchor, A-N-C, H-O-R.com. Listen, spelling anchor is harder than it looks. Start living the naughty life with Savvy Anchor Apparel. What are you waiting for? Ahoy, matey. <laughs> I had to. Well, I think you might know that I have a very similar story because I may have heard from a little bird named Kenny that mm. we are doing war-related mm-hmm. stories this week. So I can't say that it was like we were syncing up and we're like, you know, magical people. Uh, I had a, I had Kenny to keep me in the loop. <laughs> so um, I am doing the story of Rose Czar, who survived the Holocaust. <gasps> but we picked the same type of yeah. war story, yeah. By hiding in the open. <gasps> so I've Ooh. never heard of this before because most of the time you hear about people like Anne Frank, uh-huh. who are oh sorry, my computer or your computer are making noises. That are hiding, you know, in attics, in basements, you know, in yeah. caves, uh, sewers. I guess people were hiding in sewers. I mean, it just really you gotta do. You got to do what you got to do. So wait, sidebar, really quickly. Yes, sorry. of course. Have you ever read the book, The Alice Network? No. Oh, it guys, it is a great book. And when I say read, I mean I listened to the audiobook. Let's okay. be clear. Um, it is about I think World War One or maybe it's World War Two, but it's about the um. 
basically the female spy network that was formed to help spy on the Nazis. And it's a badass female story about how, um, I won't give anything away, but it's worth a read or a listen. It's one of my all-time favorite audiobooks I've ever listened to. Okay. I would like to say I found a book. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. Give it a bop. It just went away. Um, There it is. Uh, So there was a... A book that I read, I think, I want to say it was like in middle school. Um, so I think it was Number of the Stars. Did you ever have to read that? I think I did. But okay. I don't. It sounds very familiar. Number of the Stars. I feel like we read that when we were learning about like World War II and yeah, Holocaust or Night, and all this stuff. Yeah. Is, a, is also a famous one too, but yeah. I also read another book that I remember as a kid where... Um, like a present day girl mm-hmm. gets like swept up into like she's suddenly in a concentration camp. Oh, I really forget the name of that one. That maybe that is Follow the Stars, but I don't think so. Um, if I find it, I'll post it on social and stuff. And check out the Alice Network; it's very good. The Alice Network, I like mm-hmm. that. Okay, so um, in October 1942, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, Rosar was 19 years old, and her father was really worried. They lived in Poland. Oh my God, wasn't your person from Poland? Yes, they were. Amazing. Uh, the Nazis were closing in on the ghetto where they lived. Mm. So, so they were already formed in the... Well, they were just already, like my story, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were already in this ghetto, but the Nazis were closing in. That was like step one, it sounds like. Yeah. Of the, yeah. So they were closing in. And um, Tsar, who had been part of the Jewish resistance before the war broke out, they were prepared. Um, so she grabbed her suitcase and she had a forged passport. You mean the Nazi resistance, not the Jewish resistance? No, Zar, who's the, the girl of this story that I'm talking about, oh. the survivor, Rosar, um, she basically was part of the Jewish resistance against the Nazis. Oh, got it. Okay. How old is she in this 19. Situation? Okay, I was just curious. 19 years old. Oh, Can you believe young, that? And just God, when I was 19, I was an idiot. I know. Right? I made the worst decisions. I mean, Kenny's only 24. Kenny, that wasn't that and long. I'm still an idiot. I'm 37 and I'm a okay. total idiot. Here's the thing. Kenny at work is a magical, mystical yeah. creature. Kenny out of work, I don't know. Well, we I'm going to guess. Now. I'm going to guess he's an idiot because I was. Yeah, I was too. Sure. Great. I mean, yeah. I just get my job done. Good. I Listen, that's all you have to do as your boss. That's all you have to do. Um, okay. I can't get my computer to scroll because I'm old AF. I feel like you're you're an idiot until you're like in your not even your third like your early thirties. Even then. Yeah, probably thirty four. I think you start to like straighten out a little bit. Yeah, I would say thirty two for me. Yeah, yeah. Mine was okay, so eight more. You've years. got time. You got yeah. time. Live Plenty it up. Time. Stay with it, Kenny. Just keep being an you're, idiot. Just, okay. This is the time of your life. Just <laughs> keep on keeping us cool, please. Yeah, please. For the love of God. Um, okay. So uh, she was prepared. She had a suitcase packed and she had a forged passport. And she actually left her family behind Whoa. because she knew she had to get out and be on her own to make this to work. To survive. Um, I was I didn't watch a documentary, but I listened to part of a documentary on my way to your house. And um, <laughs> she had actually, you like that? Uh, she actually had left with her little brother. Um, but a nice man at the train station basically told her, like, you guys can't travel together. Oh. Like one Jewish person oh. trying to pass as, you know, a non-Jewish, a non-Jewish person, person yeah. makes sense to. Oh, they had to separate. No. Oh. So they had to separate. 
So for the next three years, she would move around Poland, disguising herself as a Roman Catholic named Wanda Gajda. Hey, Wanda. She relied on a mix of courage, intelligence, and moxie. I love the word moxie. Yeah. What a (laughs) badass. Yeah, to get herself um, out of delicate encounters with people like suspicious Polish people. It says suspicious Poles. And um, she said a lot of suspicious Poles would turn a Jew in for a liter of flour. So a lot of people who weren't Jewish but were afraid of the Nazis. But were also suffering. They were suffering, yeah. And so they would turn in someone who they thought was Jewish because they could get something out of it. But guys, no. I know. Um, So her actual name is, uh, this is where it gets hard for me, Ruska Guterman was born in um, Piatko. You like that? It's way better than I did. Yeah. You didn't have kind of an accent to it. I know, I tried. Accent. It's an accent, you guys. On July 27th, 1922, her father was a leather craftsman, and he ran a shoe factory, so I already love him. Uh I'm like, really? I love Mm -hmm. shoes. Let's talk. Um, So he told her that if she ever had to go into hiding, the best place would be the most obvious. And I I was like, this could be a book. Like, Oh, it is. Oh, is it? It is. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, so he said, you have to hide in the mouth of the wolf. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. Me too. Under the official's noses. This kind of sounds like the Alice Network. I wonder if the Alice Network, seriously, the Alice Network, if it's taken from, like pieces are taken from the story. Because Maybe. that's the whole point of the book is they were like out there. Right. Like in it and well, right the, under the name of her book which she didn't write she someone that uh she was friends with her knew wrote the book for her um but it was called the mouth of the wolf mm. okay. and i agree uh he said um you have to watch that they don't devour you so you're in the mouth of wolf but watch that they don't devour you Ooh, okay okay good advice dad yeah i feel like dad's on the case uh, although she had earned a teaching certificate before she left home, she was forced to find menial jobs uh, like cleaning stairs in a hospital or peeling potatoes in a kitchen. Um, so she just basically was doing whatever she could in her with her fake identity to like stay under the radar, but stay in plain sight mm-hmm. because she thought if I can, you know, trick these people into thinking that I'm someone else, I won't get caught. Yeah. So to keep out of trouble, she learned to laugh at the crude and often anti-Semitic jokes that were told by the Polish women that she was working next Mm. to. So even though some of these Polish women maybe weren't necessarily like Nazis or Nazi supporters, they were still, in order to fit in... They were all playing the same game. You had to play the game if you wanted to make it. So uh, she said, I figured it like this. You are born in the wrong times in history. You are an actress. You have to play your role good because you pay one price and it's your life. Oh, again, I have goosebumps. Right? She's like a badass. I really like her. I want to read her book. Um, so uh, she was uh, called by an SS commander who summoned her to his office. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, this is it. I'm going to get caught. Like, you're going to know that I'm Jewish. Yeah. I'm going to get sent to the camps. Like, this is it. Um, but... She answered all of his questions. Um, she had learned to speak German fluently. Um, and that was when she was acting as a nurse. Several, day later, 
Several days later, she was introduced to the commander's wife, and she was like, oh, shit, this is it. Well, it turns out that this whole thing was a job interview. Oh, God. So this SS commander. Talk about being in the mouth of the wolf. A Nazi commander and his wife hired her. Can you believe that? No. Hired her. And she has to take it. You can't. She spent the final years of the war as her father had advised, hiding in plain sight in the home of a Nazi as Fräulein Wanda. In a, com- in a Nazi commander's in a non- house. In a Nazi commander's house, she was hired. Oh. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Mm-mm. Her position awarded her luxuries. So she got to have, like, silk stockings. She got to go to shows, like, front seats at the theater. And she would see Faust and, oh, Der Rosenkavalier. I love that one. Me too. And it was intended only for Germans. But they had no idea. Um... So Sounds every, like Inglorious Bastards a little bit. A little bit. But every day she, she concealed the fact that she had 50 Polish zlotis, which I think is the money. Okay. Um, and a passport beneath her clothes, just in case she ever she had to run. She flee or whatever. Like if she okay. ever felt like they were, they were like on to so her. So she never got comfortable. She never enjoyed the lifestyle, it sounds oh, like. Oh, no. Like I mean, I think. She was very much. This she was afforded. How these, I survive. Yeah. She afforded the luxuries that came with, you know, working for the to, commander. Yeah. Because she had to. But she didn't enjoy it because she was like, she knew I could what, be found out at any minute. And she knew what other people yes. had been through to get, you know. So she always had an escape route in mind. Um, so in many ways, she was fearless and very much ahead of her time. Uh, that's what her son Howard Czar said, which is cute. Uh, decades later, she drew on her father's advice uh, for the title of her memoir. So again, this is her mm-hmm. book, In the Mouth of the Wolf. It was written by Eric A. Kimmel, and it was published in 1983. So if you're interested in that, um, it won a lot of awards. Uh, it actually won Association of Jewish Libraries Book Award, um, and it is taught in schools across the United States. Wow. So Howard Czar, uh, which I believe is her son, uh, recall, wait, yeah, her son, recalled receiving a letter from a student who had read his mother's memoir in a class and summed her up in a spirited determination in more modern terms. He said that his mother, Howard's mother, was downright gangsta. Oh, she was. <laughs> she like was. like modern day gangsta. Yeah. So once the Russians had chased the Nazis from Poland, mm-hmm. uh, Czar set up a typing class for young women. Uh, in Krakow, on the machines that she had taken from the commander's home. Ha ha! So it was like, Did F you. Face. I just took this typewriter, and now I'm starting my own business. And look at all these Jewish people that I'm going to let type on it, motherfucker. Exactly. Uh. What's up now? So after the war, she was reunited with her brother, who had been, <gasps> oh, they had been good. separated. Um, he had also survived by concealing his Jewish identity. And her sweetheart from when she was a teenager, Mayor Zarnawiki, probably saying that wrong uh he was a survivor of the Theresen Tat and Buchenwald concentration camps they married in September of 1945 oh I love it so um they later moved to the United States but we'll Mm -hmm. get to that in a minute so when the when violence uh broke out again against Jewish refugees in the Polish city of Kielsch Czar and her husband decided it was time to leave yeah so this happened again in Poland and it was like no we're not doing this again even after the war ended and stuff yeah Hmm. um so Get this. They helped smuggle 139 Jewish refugee children with them 
through Czechoslovakia and into southern Germany. Amazing. 139 oh. kids. Oh. Like these She's two. A, yeah. I mean, I that, love Was her. that her and her husband did that? Yeah, her okay. and her husband did that. Um, so they, they smuggled them to southern Germany where they helped set up a school run by the International Refugee Organization and the United States Army. So good job, guys. Um, Czar at that point taught orphans about their Jewish identity and helped them regain confidence. Um, Czar was praised in a letter of recommendation for her intensive devotion to the children's welfare and much sacrifice of personal time to achieve the best results. So the children were resettled in Israel and many were aboard the Exodus, a refugee ship that was memorialized in books and films after the British turned it away from Palestine in 1947 with 4,500 Holocaust survivors and refugees aboard. So this ship got turned away, Mm. but it sailed again, and it took these kids that she had been keeping under her wing, which I'm just like, adorable. I mean, that's a lot. 139. So after that, she and her husband moved to South Bend, Indiana. What's up, Indiana? get it. Uh, They had two sons and a daughter. She taught Hebrew and prepared Jewish children for their bar and bat mitzvahs. And she later became head of the Jewish education for the Jewish Federation of South Bend. Um, So she didn't come from a really strict home Mm -hmm. growing up, but her and her husband decided to um, keep kosher. And they do follow the Sabbath now. And they also give talks around the country about their stories of survival during the Holocaust. Unfortunately, Zar died on November 3rd, 2001 in South Bend. She was just 79 years old. Mm. So uh, again, Kimmel was the co-author of her memoir. um, And he said he remembered first talking to Zar about her life. Um, He had been working on a Holocaust-themed novel for young readers. And then he met her and was like, this is it. Oh, shit. I don't need anything fictional. I can just talk to this woman because her story is crazy. Um, So... He wrote it, and she had to review every single word, and he was totally <laughs> fine with that. Uh, and as long as she was allowed to do that, uh, they published it. Um, she said that um, while in Poland during World War II, she was forced to remain silent about her identity. Later, she felt compelled to break that silence. I, I think that's what a lot of people felt. Yeah. Kind of after the war ended, you needed a moment, but then well, you she had to regain silence. her identity too. Like exactly. who she was and probably more, even more powerful because of she had to suppress it for so many years, you know? Yeah. So she said, of course we must talk. We must tell the stories. Otherwise they will be forgotten mm-hmm. and the enemies will have won. That's what Jack, that's basically what Jack, how Jack felt as yep. well. And she said, I must talk about it. It is my duty to talk about it. If I don't tell my story, who will? Mm-hmm. And I that's love- the story. That's great. I <laughs> love it. Which, again, such a badass. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't, I, I guess I never realized that there were people out there who were just living in plain sight and in total fear at all times that they yeah. might be caught. Yeah. So And to keep it cool the whole time. Yeah. Like being you an actor. This is the greatest acting moment of your yeah. life. I mean, your life depends on it. Yeah, exactly. So that is the story. Wow. And so a little different twist on a Holocaust survivor. Well, and here's had a great ending too. So she got married and moved here. And I love that we took so many survivors and stuff. So yes. I think it's such a great, I know a good friend of mine, her grandmother, like the East side of Cleveland has a, a very large, great Jewish community. Oh yeah. So one of my really good friends, um, she's Jewish and her grandmother is actually a Holocaust survivor. 
And she's the only one from her entire family that survived and then came over here Mm -hmm. and moved to Cleveland and, you know, and she has a great story. I wonder if, I wonder if my friend would ever want to talk about it. Maybe. But it's sensitive, but it might be something. It's important though. Because you can't forget because it can happen again. Exactly. Like also I read something where they were talking about how just, you know, the, the Nazis just showed up with guns and you're just like, no one could, like no one, everyone just did what they were told and just, they weren't vigilant because they didn't know any better. And now through history, like you can't just like sit idle by or they'll just take you over. Exactly. So. Well, this was an intense episode. I know. So now I'm ready to like loosen it up maybe with Kenny. Kenny, let's get some. Can you loosen it up? I got some lighthearted weird okay, news. Oh, right. thank God. Thank God. <laughs> and the ducks are, look, and the ducks are outside. The They're ducks. having a good time. The ducks are in the pool cover. Yeah. It's great. Just bathing in the, <laughs> yeah, the gross cover. Okay. So uh, did you guys hear about the Heinz condiment they released this year called Mayo Chup? Yeah. No. It's, it's a mayonnaise and ketchup. Oh, I've Some been people that. argue it should be called Ketchanase, but um, you know, I like mayo trip better. Like I think. Mayo is outpowering, outpowers the ketchup. So yeah. Depends on, it depends it's on a, the ratio. Like it depends on the ratio. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, they just released this in Canada. It was just in the US. And in Canada, there's some people who speak, it's either the Cray language or Cree language. It's like a dialect they have up there. Oh, does but, it involve the word A? C-R-E-E. No, I mean, when they talk, oh. do they go, A? <laughs> a? We have e a lot of Canadian listeners, so I just wanted to, like, <laughs> say hi. A? A? Okay. Uh, but in certain dialects of the Cree language, mayo chup uh, translates to something less than appealing. What do you think <gasps> oh, mayo chup no. translates to? You know, my guess is going to be so dumb. I'm going to um, say... You're, no, let me guess I'm, first. Oh, okay. Because I'll copy your... I'll, just mentally, I won't be able to okay, you get go. past it. Um, pig's tongue. Okay. Earwax. Okay. It translates either to shit is on my face or <laughs> shit faced. Ah, I love that. Did I, just yes! break, did I break the thing again? Yeah, you did. Uh, did you really? Yeah. The ducks are fighting. Okay. But we're still good. Don't oh, worry. It keeps oh, recording. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Every time I scream laugh, I break the equipment. That is hilarious it's shit face shit faced or shit is so on it, my face so it shit should've... face on my hot dog please so it should have been catch a maze what what did you say catch a maze i think was the other one but... oh my god oh my god i mean that's th- so this wrong. language isn't spoken by a ton of people like a hundred thousand but, but imagine still. their look when they are at the grocery store or whatever and they see it and they're oh, like yeah. what don't you think they should have like researched that a little bit more but if it's going into all these countries, they can't research every single. I mean, I guess they can. Listen, like Heinz, get it together. I, I feel like, like Heinz is like you've a got big the R and D group. Company. You can do it. Yeah. Like the spelling of it isn't what translates. It's like the way they say it. <laughs> yeah. Because the oh. the mayo, like the way it's said, uh-huh. translates to like excrement, basically. <laughs> so. Oh hey, whatever God. you like on your hot dog is your business. That's yeah. right. I like my business on my hot dog. <laughs> And by business, I mean shit. (laughs) Oh, God. Sorry. Um, You know, what's weird is I I think I've mentioned this before. My parents told me that I have red hair because I ate so much flipping ketchup as a kid. They're like, you have red hair because you eat too much ketchup. 
Um, and my son, he'll eat ketchup on French fries, but that's about it. Oh. I don't eat ketchup. What? I know you don't, I you weirdo. You don't? never liked it. <gasps> I tried it like once when I was a kid, hated it. Oh my God. Do you know my favorite sandwiches? I tried sandwiches? it again a couple years ago. Blasphemy. I love, my favorite sandwich is... Is this something gross? Uh, no, it's hard salami okay. with ketchup. No. And chips. Nope. It's, and you, then you smush the bread <laughs> no. together and then you eat it. And it's so good. Try I'll it. tell you my favorite sandwich. It's so Here, good. Here's my favorite right now. Um, the almond cranberry chicken salad from Aldi, which is never had it. Oh, it's delicious. And then brie cheese. Mm. Do love brie cheese. Anything with you brie. Slice up the brie. You put it on the sandwich. You put the the almond chicken, chicken salad, salad on it. Um, I also toast the bread for a little duh, little crunch. Um, I could put lettuce on it to make it more healthy, but <sighs> that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. I just spit all over this. I hope you get this one next I'm time. I'm snorting and you're spitting. We're a mess today. We're, I think because yeah. it was an emotional episode. Um, okay. So, okay. So, yeah. So awkward. Um, if you guys want to, you can follow us on social media. We are Please on do. Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can also email us with any um, stories of survival or, or any stories. We just like stories. And we, just, we also would really like weird news suggestions because oh yeah. I think, or tell us just your weird news in general from your town because I'm sure there's got to be some local weird news that we're not getting. There's got to be some crazy local weird news oh, stories. We would love it. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, otherwise, oh, Patreon. Visit our Patreon page. We need wine and snack funds. So... If you could become a patron, we'd love you for it. It could just be like a dot. What is it? Like it's a dollar a month. month. And you get extra content with it. Oh, yes. That was, uh, that's a big thing. I'm actually making, uh, Denal doesn't know this, but I'm going to make her do some extra content right Not after a video this though, right? I was going to do video, but now that you, you guys, said that we can't. I worked out this morning and I haven't <laughs> showered all day or washed my face and I'm still in my workout clothes. I'm disgusting. It's amazing. We love it. Um, okay. So make sure you check us out and there should be content up there hopefully in the next day or so, uh, that is bonus and just for you, Patreon members. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. Thanks guys. Thanks. Bye. See you next week. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.